Blog Talk Radio. I need is one mic, one beat, one stage, one nigga front, my face on the front page, only if I had one gun, one girl and one crib, one God to show me how to do things his son did, pure, like a cup of virgin blood, mixed with 151, one sip will make a nigga flip, writing names on my hollow tips, plotting shit, mad violence, who I'm gonna body, this hood politics, acknowledge it, leave bodies chopped up in garbage, seeds watch us, grow up and try to follow us, police watch us, roll up and try knocking us, one knee I could it be my time is up with my love? I got up. The cops shot again. Bust stop glass burst. A fiend drops a Heineken. Ricochet in between the spots that I'm hiding in. Blacking out. I shoot back. Fuck getting hit. This is my hood. I'm a rap to the death of it. To everybody, come on. Little niggas is grown. Hood rats. Don't abortion your wound. We need more warriors soon. Shit from the stars, sun, and the moon. And it's like a police chase. Street sweepers and coppers. Sick up kids with no conscience. Leaving victims with doctors. If you really think you're ready to die, we're not. Out. This is what now is about, nigga. The time is now. All I need is one mic, one mic, one mic, one mic. All I need, all I need is one mic, one mic, one mic, one mic. All I need, niggas. All I need is one mic, one mic, African power to an African people and black power to black people. It's your brother and host, National Chairman Yang and Kuma, People's Black Panther Party, uh, with Independence Black Talk Radio, again, coming on another Monday. As always, I am very thankful and grateful to the Most High and my ancestors for allowing me to be here to share my voice and to share opinions and, and, and just get an intake and feedback from the people. Like I always state, Every Monday and at the beginning of our program, brothers and sisters, this is your program, an opportunity for you to share with us critiques, criticisms, comments, concerns, anything that you want to share on the topic that we have. Um, I'm excited about today's topic. Today's topic is what it means to be a people's party, what it means to be a people's party and why we are the party of the people. Uh, That is our objective and our aims and our goals is to be the party of the people. Um, we've had, you know, when we say People's Party, exactly what does that mean? I think we, you would think that it speaks volumes in itself. The name of the party is already self-explanatory and everything to that nature, but a lot of times we really don't understand when we say People's Party. I was in a very um, intense discussion. Always, any, any discussion I have with my comrades is always enlightening. I always come away knowing something different. I may not always agree with the opinions. I may not always agree with what's said, but I always come away with something because I try to surround myself with comrades who are studious and learned. And one of the things that I realized that it was necessary for us to explain what we say when we mean the People's Party because the ideology of black nationalism has been so misconstrued and hijacked by all of these different ideologies or ideologies using the title black nationalism that it leaves the people, it leaves the masses of people of African descent here in America 
coming away confused or having a complete and total misunderstanding. When we say that we are the people's part, we're saying that our primary concern, starting off, is for the concern and issues that directly affect African people. And this is okay. In order for us to compete on, because we at the People's Party are revolutionary black nationalists, the key to that is the word revolutionary. For those of us that understand what it means to be revolutionary, it means to be an internationalist. It means to be anti-oppression. It means to be anti-injustices, practices against any people. But in order to really um, lend a, a significant contribution to the revolutionary struggle globally, internationally, worldwide, is that first you have to be a contender in the place that you reside. And people of African descent here in America are specifically and directly targeted for oppression, economic exploitation, police, repression, and every other thing that hinders people to naturally grow into, to, it denies them the natural process of evolution. And what I mean by that is we don't have the opportunities. We're not afforded the opportunities to grow unhindered, to practice self-sufficiency and self-determination without a people intervening and interfering with our development. So the People's Party's first and primary concern, and I'm you know not ashamed to say the People's Party's first and primary concern are the needs and issues that specifically address African people. We love the third development. We learn a lot from the third development, no doubt, whom some call the original Black Panther Party. But like anything that we learn from the past, we celebrate and acknowledge and, and commemorate, you know, and commend them on their achievements and their accomplishments, their triumphs. We love to read about their triumphs and their victories over oppression. But at the same time, we must be very realistic without being disrespectful, and study some of the things that unfortunately didn't lend to the advancement or empowerment of African people over here. We have to study the things that we deem to be um, that weren't as, uh, didn't work out quite as well. Some of the things that led to attack, a good book written by um, a dear friend of my father's, uh, Sundata Ayakola, who was with Asada Shakur and as they was captured on the um, New Jersey Turnpike, one of the things that he writ was one of the failures of the so-called original Black Panther Party, whom we call the third development, was a combination of the underground and above ground. So we learned from that. We learned that even though in the, in the time, in the heat of battle and in the field, when you're right there participating, you do, you do what you seem necessary, what you deem necessary, what seems to be the right thing to do. You're in the heat of the moment. So you're going off what you know, but hindsight is twenty twenty. And as we look back and as we analyze and as we reflect on um, the past, as he did, as he, as he wrote in his book, he said the combination of the above ground and the underground was detrimental to the party because they were pulling underground operations, which gave the police and the repressive forces of the government carte blanche to come in under fictitious warrants or even real warrants looking for people, searching for weapons, and they were able to search their offices, able to search their homes, their automobiles. And he said that was a travesty. So we learned from that mistake. So one of the things that we learned from the mistakes, uh, what we deem at the People Party to be some of the things that we feel that the third development, when they went into an era, that they started out 
a people's party. And that party, and they ended a people's party. It was just the definition of what they deemed people. It was a definition of what they deemed people. The programs were specifically designed to help and defend impoverished people of African descent. We read where Huey would often tell the people that uh, you can't join this party, but go form your own revolutionary parties. Go educate your people to the, to the plight of impoverished and oppressed people throughout the world. But we must address our people because this is what we came from and we are who our people relate to. This isn't as the People's Party. We're not saying this is to the exclusion of anyone. This is not promoting hate of anyone. But this is saying that we as African people here in America have specific needs and specific issues that only we can address. And that our goal is the goal of self-determination and self-sufficiency. And that our enemy, that our foe, that our adversary, or those people, or that system that intentionally and deliberately hinders and obstructs that natural growth. So this is what we say when we're saying that we're coming to the people, that the people have to be addressed. A lot of times we come into the revolutionary formations without having truly revolutionized ourselves, without really sticking to an ideology or sticking to a philosophy that is a philosophy of empowerment for, our, for us. We get sidetracked. You know, and I see it, and this is not, like I'm saying, I'm not, I don't want to start out in the condemnation of the third development. I'm sure we're going to have third development Panthers on the line. So this is definitely not a condemnation. This is just critical analyzation and constructive criticism. But like I said, hindsight is 2020, man. I, I commemorate and honor all of our predecessors who, you know, jumped in this revolution ten toes down and didn't look back and sacrificed families and lives and even their freedom. We still have uh, political prisoners behind enemy lines. Free them all. Free them all. I definitely say that. But when we look at some of the things that happens in our development, in our growth, I feel like that they were influenced greatly by the communist movement. And when you look at the influence of the communist movement and you look at the influence of Karl Marx and Frederick Engels and how they got their thing together, in communism and socialism, there's a thing called historical and material dialectics. And what that simply means is the conditions, social economic conditions, that factor into a people's development. So when Karl Marx came up with communism and developed so that socialism naturally develops into communism, he was factoring in European, white people, historical and material dialectics. And by them not having a large minority, or, and, and especially in those particular regions, a large um, African population or people of African descent populating those regions, then the predominant historical material dialectics, the predominant context that went into his philosophy and his ideology was that of European, so then it was a class struggle. Race wasn't an issue. But here in America, in the shores, on the shores of North America, you know, someone said, I said the hells and smells, or I don't say that today, the hells and smells of North America, when we were talking about over here to not factor in race in a lot of the decision-making, in the social construct of America, in who is targeted for economic exploitations would be a very big mistake. So we have to have a political party, a revolutionary political party, the People's Party, that addresses specifically the needs of African people. Who represents you and I? 
who is teaching you and I to start to develop institutions for self-sufficiency, for self-determination, to stand on our to stand on our own, to be dependent and reliant upon our own selves, and we see it in every. I mean, I can get redundant with it because we see it in every nationality. Go to any major metropolitan area. Go to any major city, and you will find other ethnicities having their own enclaves. They have their own neighborhoods, and in those neighborhoods, they contain their own businesses, their own schools, their own places of worship, their own social institutions where they gather and they socialize and they congregate. They have these things, and there is nothing wrong for people of African descent saying, hey, we want, and not only do we want, we must have those same things. So we need a party. When we say peoples, we are talking about all peoples of oppression, but us being black nationalists, we're saying that us as African people, as black people, we are specifically talking about black people so that we can compete on a global scale. You've heard me say before, it's called the human race. Then black people better start running it and not running it for everyone else's teams. We are so quick as a people to get on other people's teams and to address the oppression that affects other people while overlooking the oppression and repression and exploitation that affects people of African descent. And one of the problems with this is that when we do this, when we get and jump to everyone's calls, believe me, you'll find it. You're talking to a brother that has dibbled and dabbled and looked and supported all people. I support the Palestinian struggle. You've heard me say it before, and I'll say it again. I believe that um, Israel is an illegal state, that they annex Israel from Palestine. And the Palestinian people, and what's happening in Palestine is the equivalent of apartheid, is what happened in South, South, America, uh, South Africa. You will hear me say that who have a nation have the right to practice self-determination. They have a right to practice nationalism. And you can tell that the world is scared of the black man and the black woman from practicing nationalism because every prolific and profound black nationalist speaker has been murdered. From Malcolm X, Patrice Lumumba in the Congo, they have been murdered. When they say that, and what is is this nationalism? What is this? This nationalism is saying that we're simply saying that the resources, like Malcolm said, wherever you find us in the majority, in any area, we should control everything in that area. There should be no need. There is no need. So there should be no outside influences or people capitalizing off of our labor, off of our economics, off of our ingenuity, or anything that African people produce. How are we producing all these things and other people are reaping the rewards and benefits from it? So the People's Party. So what does it mean to be a People's Party? This is what we have to ask ourselves. And what people are we talking about? And when we talk to these people, what does it take to start to, um, and this is the this is the, the topic of conversation, brothers and sisters, what does it start to take to get us to start to participate in our own self-determination, not just reactionary methods, not just protesting? I mean, you know, listen, hey, if you're out there protesting injustices, that is great. I think that's a necessary first step, bring awareness, bring attention to the inhumane treatment of African people here in America. But what is the next step? What's the step that when we get past begging for people to treat us humane, 
When do we start taking matters in our own hand and start to make people recognize that we are humans? Like I said before, you'll find every people practicing nationalism. When they talk about immigration, when they talk about the immigration laws and with our Latino brothers and sisters and sending them back to Mexico, it is not only the so-called illegal immigrants who rally and rail against this, uh, these, this, type, this new legislation and laws that are coming in, but you will find second and third generation uh, Mexic- Mexicans over here riling and railing against them where they have national boycotts, where they're walking out and they're not showing up for work and basically shutting down whole cities because they have that sense of connectedness, that sense of unity, that sense of, of, of nationalism. They understand when they say people, yes, a lot of those revolutionary groups, the Brown Berets, you know, and I have to send out a shot to my Brown Beret brother, Brother Felix, and other brothers that get in contact with me. Um, yes, they're talking about all oppressed people, but when you talk to the Brown Berets, they're specifically talking about Mexican King people. If not, why would there be a Brown Beret movement? When you look at the revolutionary Chinas, if they weren't talking about nationalism, if they weren't talking about uh, Chinese independence and Chinese self-sufficiency, why would you have a Red Guard whose first and foremost function is to be the vanguard for the liberation and empowerment of Chinese people? It's only natural. So the People's Party, the People's Black Panther Party, is dedicated and devoted to the advancement and upliftment of African people. It's only natural. And this is what has to be addressed. These are some of the things, brothers and sisters, that we have to start to begin to move towards. We have to, um, and it is my opinion, of course, stop being afraid of these words. Stop being afraid of unifying. Start to find ways to unify and to understand and to really understand the system that leads to oppression. To understand the system keeping us divided that puts bits of divisiveness between us. This is what the People's Party, the People's Black Panther Party is all about. And represent. And how do we do that? The People's Black Panther Party is not saying that we're the nation. We're saying that we're an aspect of the nation. We're a political party that wants to participate in the development of a nation. Like point 10 of our 10-point platform, we want a plebiscite that consists of, or a plebiscite is a gathering of African people that consists of, uh, of African people or people of African descent that will come and determine what system that we govern ourselves by. We're saying that we have the right to this, but we don't have anyone representing us on all of these scales and not just representing us, but that is willing to step forward and put in the work and to galvanize the people and to organize the people to start to develop an institutions that will lend to our empowerment. Right, that is the constant theme, and all of these institutions don't have to go up under the name of People's Black Panther Party. We have been so colonized, colonized for so long, that we've slipped into a neo-colonialist thinking, meaning that we begin to think like our oppressors. And some of us unconsciously, begin to think like our oppressor, and we start to have this Masonic um, disorder where we're waiting for a savior figure, a Masonic figure to come and rescue us, or we're waiting for that premier organization, or we think that we belong to that one organization that will lead the black people out of bondage like Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt. 
and it's unrealistic that the people of African descent here in America are not a monolithic people. We are not one thinking people. We all don't think along the same lines. That's culturally, that's economically, that's socially. So we have to find that common denominator. So we're saying we, the people, we're developing on and we're building on the fact that we are intentionally being targeted for destruction. We're intentionally being targeted and deliberately being hindered from developing naturally, thinking that psychological warfare has been waged against us. The black nationalist understands that wherever you find us, to quote again from our dear brother Malcolm, Omar Wallimu, that wherever you find us in the majority, then we must control everything that is in our community and everything that affects, affects our development. And it is simple. It's not this, you know, we hear the thing where we say, well, niggas can't work together. It's simple. It's just about taking an interest in your life. If you are a parent and have children, it's about going to the PTA, finding out the curriculum that they're teaching your children. And eventually, once you find out the curriculum, once you go to the PTA, then you begin to know the school board, then you begin to demand a better curriculum, a curriculum like our manual teaches us. I think it's um, point number five that says we want an education that teaches us the true nature of this decadent society and the black man and black woman's role in this society. So then you begin to question the curriculum and begin to say that this curriculum must change because this curriculum only teaches African people or people of African descent here in America to be subservient and not independent. This is the People's Party. The People's Party is not a reformist movement. We don't believe that you can just reform legislation and that we'll find equality in the so-called reform legislation because we understand the social construct of America. We understand that America was founded on the exploitation of people of, of, of different ethnicities, the genocide of the Native American, the enslavement of the African. We understand that it was founded on that, so we understand that it was founded on a superiority inferiority, whether that's class or whatever, it was founded on someone being on top and someone being on bottom. So we don't look to reform the laws, but we do understand that the journey of a thousand miles starts with one footstep. And in order to change a political system, you must first understand the political system. And if you have politicians in your community that say they represent people of African descent, that say they represent you and I and are speaking for you and I and have a vote on the uh things that go up in our community are the things that they deny our community, then we would be foolish not to address these politicians. We can't keep having an apathy. We can't keep being disconnected from this. We have to begin to assess our problems realistically. And when you're in a fight, there are no rules to fighting. When you're in a fight there, you can kick, spit, bite, poke eyes, whatever it takes. You get from up to get from up under. You're oppressor. You're allowed to do this. So then we must hold these so-called politicians accountable for the decisions they make, understanding all at the same time that they may not be black nationalists, but that you're campaigning and you're running on the fact that you are black, so we have to hold them to some type of accountability. We have to begin to look in our hearts and start to Find common ground and common unity. This is what the People's Black Panther Party is about, finding that common ground and that common unity with people of African descent. 
Now, I know all my skin folk ain't my kin folk. Some of us have actually bit into and bought into the so-called American dream and bought into this system. And we can be worse. We can be the best, the most vicious pit bulls for the American system. We can act niggardly as you, you wouldn't believe, you wouldn't imagine. Because we've bitten into this and we go to the ends of the earth to show our masters that we're not one of those niggas. So I'm going to show you that I'm not one of them masters bust his head. I'm going to deny him certain rights. I'm going to put him through every strenuous and every uh, trial that they can to get some type of aid or benefit. I'm going to frustrate them. I'm going to talk nasty. They're going to do some of the most outlandish, ridiculous things to frustrate us. And this is what they do because they've bitten into the system. But we have to understand that the system is creating and promoting this type of behavior in African people because there hasn't been a people party to arise since the days of old to arise from amongst the masses that really teaches true empowerment and African inclusivity. That's the key word. When we say people's party, we're talking about inclusivity. We're talking about trying to find that common unity that builds communities. We're trying to find that that equalizing factor that we're getting away from the things that would lead to divisiveness, the semantics. When you find what most people, semantics rather, when you find most people, most African people divided, it's over semantics. No thing of substance. We haven't analyzed or truly addressed the issues that affect us as African people. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. When they murdered Mike Brown, they didn't ask what his religion was. When they choked out Eric Garner, they didn't ask what he called himself, more Hebrew. When they killed Sean Bell, when they killed Trayvon Martin, when they killed us all, I forget the brother's name, in Oakland, um, California, and when you come on the line, maybe you can help Oscar Grant. When they shot him point blank, point blank range while he was handcuffed in the head, they didn't ask him. They didn't take the time to stop and ask him. But you'll find you and I going through these things, and we're constantly and systematically being murdered. But we suffer from nigger amnesia. They kill us so much that we forget about the murder last month. I was just on Facebook and seeing where they tased the brother to death. So where is the unity? When do we come together to address these ills? When do we have a group that so the People's Black Panther Party is an all-inclusive group. Last week, I read point number one of our 10-point platform and program, where we talked about we want self-determination, we want freedom, we want the right to practice self-determination. What we believe, we believe in the high moral codes of our ancestors. We believe in all the holy, the sacredness of all scriptures, Bible, Quran, the laws of Maya, as long as it's as long as it's based on the black liberation theology, as long as it's based on black empowerment, we welcome that. We embrace that. It's cool because we are about the unification of African people. For too long, we've been divided in too many things. We're divided over streets. We're divided over colors. We're divided over skin complexion. And we must be careful not to keep perpetuating the Willie Lynch syndrome of division that a party must emerge from the masses of the people that will say people of African descent, people who share the same common struggle. Like I said before, when you're murdered, when you're denied the loan, when you can't in Atlanta, you can't if you have a felony. 
they don't even want to give you an apartment, not because based on your religion, not based on your skin complexion, any of that, but based on the fact you got a, 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 a felony. When they murder us, when they deny us aid and things of that nature. So African people have been targeted, and we go out of our way to disassociate ourselves from our blackness. And then sometimes it's understandable. I can understand the frustration. where Everybody gets tired of being treated like a nigga. That's why everybody, I got Indian in my blood. I ain't full black. You know, I understand. It's hard. We get tired of being treated like a nigga. But a party has arisen from the masses of the people called the People's Black Panther Party that is saying, let us stick together and hold them accountable. That your dollars do mean something. They recognize your dollars mean something. That's why they have stores in your community. That's why they build stores in your community and exploit you, give you trinkets, talk to you like they wanted you. Yeah, homie, wear their hats, cop, gold chains, talking slick. It's disrespectful is what it is. And at the end of the day, they close their shop and pull down the bars and lock it up tight and go back to their community with your dollars to build up their community. I went to buy something today. I had to buy a garment, and I couldn't find it from the black Muslims. I went to a couple, because you know me, you know your brother. I'm a patronized black people, even though some of these Negroes are black capitalists. And patronizing them, there's no difference in spending with them than spending with anyone else because that money is not in a cooperative. That money doesn't come back to our community. Some of these Negroes live amongst other people, have moved out of our community, and they think they didn't arrive. They're the Jeffersons. They're moving on up. Let them tell it. But what I needed, I had to go to the Arab Islamic store, and I went to the Arab Islamic store, and they again reinforced. It let me know there was the ancestor speaking to me to let me know, Yanga, you're on the right track. Because when I rode in this community, the stores had Arabic on them. The people walking around were Arabs. And I rode in there, and they looked at me like I had crash-landed from another planet. Like, nigga, you made a wrong turn. And it was so nationalist. The only way that you remotely felt comfortable in there was giving them the greeting to know that you didn't come out. Salam alaikum, brother. Salam alaikum. Well, I got to go down there cow-towing and bowing my damn head because they have established nationalism so strongly in that sector of the city that even walking through there made a black man uncomfortable. They didn't give a damn about my company. When I went in there and bought my gear, they didn't pay you, hey, how can I help you? Do you need anything else? They gave me a look, took my money, like, hurry up and get the hell up out of here. We don't serve your kind here. But you will find us when the foreigner comes into our communities sitting on milk crates, defending other people and other ethnicities and other nationalities sticking together. So, yes, we need a people's party. Yes, we need a party that calls us together. And only together, when we start to learn and start to stand up for ourselves, for self-sufficiency and self-determination, can we really appreciate the international struggle to shake off the shackles of oppression. See, how are you going to fight some out struggle and your people oppress? Oh, you don't have a people. You don't belong to nothing. You don't identify with your people, but you want to fight international struggles. You want to go to Africa and get with certain tribes and fight for African, which we should. Don't get me wrong, but not at to the extent 
that you deny your African brother here in America. You want to go to China and Cuba. You want to go if you want to go to Palestine. You want to go fight everybody else's fight for freedom, fight for uh, against your present exploitation of those people, and won't fight for your own right here. It's the damnedest thing. And the fight doesn't necessarily all the time mean physical. Sometimes that fight, and most times and in the beginning, that fight is an internal fight. That fight is to shake off the thinking that has been dumped on us, the anti-black thinking, the anti-black thinking, the thinking that niggas, African people, black people, whatever you call it, Moors, Akiba, Hebrew, I don't care. People with a hue, people with melon, the thinking that we can't accomplish anything, that we can't come together, that we can't be a people's party, or that when we do come together, that we're talking about to the exclusion of other people. And that's not it. When I say I begin the program and most of my statements, and when I'm talking to people with all powers to oppressed people, because I don't say all power to the people anymore because, you know, some of the people got the power and misused power. So all power to oppress people. That's any people of any ethnicity, any color. I'm a revolutionary. But what kind of revolutionary would I be without a base of operation, without a focal point, without a center? How can I be a revolutionary to fight for the end of oppression for other people and not first start to begin to fight for the end of oppression right in my locale? How can I step over desolate and destitute people of African descent, homeless people of African descent, hungry people of African descent, people getting disproportionate prison sentences in the court system of African descent? It's only natural, and it's okay. So what does it mean to be a people's party? What does it mean to be specifically the People's Black Panther Party? to rock with us at the People's Black Panther Party. It means that you must be dedicated, committed to the advancement, upliftment, empowerment of African people, that in yourself that you carry the genes of your ancestors, that the first sign of a revolution is to revolutionize yourself, that you have a responsibility and an obligation to the blood, the dreams and the visions, the hopes of your ancestors who were brought over here, who were snatched from their place of origin, forced to learn a different language, their religion taken from them, new foods forced upon them, brutal punishments and labor forced upon them. While they cried out, dear God in heaven, oh ancestors, free from this oppression, and they constantly fought that, even in themselves, and some physically fought it, like Nat Turner, and some fought it, running away and coming back to get other ones, like the great mother prophetess Harriet Tubman and so many countless others that understood that they had a responsibility and an obligation to African people. And that's where it begins. And once you understand this obligation and responsibility to African people, then and only then can you properly sit at the table with other people and contribute to an international revolution. But right now we don't have anything that we, as a mass of people, I'm not saying you individually. I'm sure you individually, as a beautiful African, you are dynamic. You are just one of the baddest things walking the earth. I know you are individually. I don't question that. You're black, baby. No doubt. But collectively, what can we 
come to the table and sit with and offer on an international revolution or will we just do internationally what we do locally and beg people to accept us? Is this where the revolution is going? Is this where the revolutionary of African descent here in America is going to? To sit at the table with other revolutionaries and beg to be accepted into that re- and they will accept you because they're revolutionary. But at the end of the day, when they receive their freedom, when they receive their independence, you will always just be, you'll be their brother in the revolution, but you will always be that foreigner to the people. And they may extend their hand. The Third Development Panthers had a base in Algiers. Didn't make them Algerian, though. But the revolutionary in the Algerian recognized the revolutionary struggle here in America waged by people of African descent and extended their hand and said, hey, you are revolutionary brothers. But they understood that you must achieve self-sufficiency and self-determination for yourself. Every revolutionary understood it. They studied Marcus Garvey. Oh, you think they didn't? Ho Chi Minh. In Vietnam, studied Marcus Garvey. Kwame Nkrumah, a Guyana, studied Marcus Garvey. Look at the flag, the black star. Where do you think he got the black star from? With the red, black, and green. They studied Marcus Garvey. They understood nationalism to a degree and pan-Africanism on a larger scale that people of African descent must stick together in order to participate fully and completely in an international revolution. If not, you're just scattered again, lending your scattered pieces not really being effective as a whole or collectively. And this is what we're saying that the People's Party is addressing. We're there to address the issues that plague us as African people here in America specifically. And I see my phone lines lighting up. I'm I'm definitely going to get to you. But this is the thing that we must address. And this is what the People's Black Panther Party is all about addressing. That fourth development, a continuation of the Panthers, a continuation of the third development. Yes, I know that we don't do it. They say, well, in the third development, they did this, and the third development, they did that. And that's absolutely right. But at times, we don't get so spiritual. We don't hold anyone to be so iconic or so Masonic in their persona, in their person, that we don't think that they were human and were capable of making human mistakes. We understand that that was possible. So what we do thank them for are the mistakes that they made. So now in this day and time, we have the fortunate benefit of learning from that. But you'll find many of us repeating the mistakes or trying to relive or recapture that error. That error is gone. There's no recapturing that. We hope that we can recapture the spirit. We hope that we can recapture the commitment and the dedication, the revolutionary studies. But to recapture the program and to seize the time, um, Bobby Steele said seize the time. That was that time. We're trying to seize that time. We're trying to jump into a time machine and time warp to seize that time that we're missing. The time now and the time is at hand and now. The conditions are starting to ripen for revolutionary change. And that revolutionary change, brothers and sisters, begins with you and I. 
going to open the phone lines. This is your brother, National Chairman Yang and Krumah, People's Black Panther Party, Independent Black Talk Radio. Let's go to our phone lines and open up our phone lines. Here we have um, Brother Chairman Carr. Brother Carr. Boy, Yang, I think you open Sister 91. You can close me okay. off and pull Kahar and then open me back up. Uh, if you want to let Kahar speak first, I can wait. No, we, we'll come back to him. I think his, I think it's called drop, so we'll open you up. Okay. Um, hmm. Topic of discussion. I understand what you're saying, but let me tell you something. I learned this. We can't jump into a time machine until we know what time was. We still have to go back into history, and we have to be able to understand what methods were taken in order for these type of things to have taken place. And I understand a lot of us is not going to like the truth, but we speak about Brother Malcolm and all of those people. One thing that I do idolize and respect from the leaders from yesterday to today is because they don't leave out parts of history. If they got to talk about a bootlicking Tom, if they got to talk about a counterproductive cultural nationalist or anybody that's causing issues and separation that's, that's keeping us from being um, a nation, then we have to address those things. Truth teaches empowerment as well. We got to stop leading our people to believe that our whole history had some type of poverty or oppression. We had kings, queens, and unfortunately, from Europe to the, um, let me look at my notes, I think it was the gold something. Let me be specific. I don't want to give wrong information. Gold Coast. The Gold Coast. No, not the Gold Coast. It was um, it's it's a um organization that was referencing the Moors long before a white supremacist was here, and I'm gonna just keep talking about it until I get to my notes. But we had a whole lot of stuff. How can we teach our people? that we had this and we had that, and then we dumbed them down by coming back, leaving them to believe a puny-ass pink worm came in and took something. They didn't take anything. The same thing that's happening then, that happened then is happening now. Word of mouth of the messenger. The white man is coming. The white man owns everything. White supremacy, white supremacy. But we have to understand that we as a people, the melanated culture or whatever we want to call ourselves, we ruled and owned all of the land long before the red man, the white man, or any man enslaved us. So we have to understand what is hatred, and it's very contradictory to say that we taught the white people everything, the white people came from us, without discussing certain parts of history or like how they got frozen in the Himalayas. Why did the pigmentation of their skin come? Because it's very confusing to anybody that's trying to understand historically what happened then and what we control now on how it happened that way. How were we rich, first of all, and now we are impoverished? Somewhere down the line, something went wrong, and if we had power then and we weren't able to control it, we need to reconstruct ourselves so when we do gain power this time, it doesn't transform back into the hands of the enemy. That's one thing I wanted to speak on. And I'm going to be very brief. I understand what you're saying about hating our black people, but um, Brother Malcolm and I think a lot of them, in my opinion, when they said who taught us to hate ourselves, who did? Because if we were one nation and one people of one color or one ethnic background, as y'all say, what caused hatred? We got to stop teaching people that Africa is not 
real. It's an illusion. America is not real. It's an illusion. But the tribes of Tasmania and Kenya and Somalia, those things are what we can defend from because those are the names of the land. If we continue to teach history where the white man looks superior, acts superior, and even our own black people talk about how superior he is, then you're absolutely right. We're struggling with white supremacy. But my question to the listeners would be this. I look around, and like you said, we seize the times with Bobby and Huey. Okay. Well, then we seize the times with Bobby and Huey only then we could talk about white supremacy because we had all white jurors. We had all white police precincts. We had all white judges and a number of other things that was just all white and black. Why? Because we didn't have any foreigners to 1982 up under the Reagan administration. So with that being said, we got to seize the time now. Now we have multicultural issues. We have family, and we have multicultural back in Africa. Where do you think the albinos came from? So we're going to do what we did then, throw out the light-skinned babies out with the bad water? we got to think about what we're saying here. we got to be realistic. In every ethnic background, cultural life followings or whatever you want to call it, there are some fools somewhere that wants power over the people. If we really want structure for the people, then we are to give the people the full truth and only the truth so they can, one, find out what doesn't empower and what do and how to be able to benefit from those things. If you're going to tell half truths and whole history, then we're not helping our people to benefit anything. And I would just like to say one more thing that Noble Jew Ali said, and I'm going to get off. Tell all of history. Yes, some of it will be harsh, and it will be harsh reality. But of the information will reveal something other than oppression, depression, and fear for our people and the lost souls of America. They will show strength, unity, loyalty, empowerment, and uncover that royalty was an example of certain things that we had in life. We dumb our own people down by teaching that the white man runs some supremacy exists everywhere. And I'm going to end my statement with this, and if anybody want to be real on the phone, everywhere that we have went from what you want to call indigenous servitude up until current, the white man didn't invade anything. We were crossed out by snitches, cross-dressers, blacks, or whatever you want to call yourselves that hated themselves for no apparent reason and hated others for being strong enough to recognize who we are. So until we address those Tom Negroes and those that are selling us out like we were doing back in the day and like China and everybody else you reference, because, see, if you cross a Chinaman, they'll kill a Chinaman. If you cross a white man, they'll kill Kennedy. They'll even kill their children if it's going to cause them to not have revolution or power over people. We should be doing the same thing but giving the power to the people and sponging all of the enemies outside of whatever race they in. And that's all I wanted to say, power to the people. Power to the people, power to the people. And I, 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 I agree I agree with what you said. I mean, there's no refuting history that black people sold black people. That we cross people. But I think that one of the things I want to say, and I don't see Chairman Gaul on there, um, you know, is that we have to understand that Africa is a continent and not a country. So that when you have, they practice nationalism in Africa. The Mandinkas, what a Mandinkas, like you said, the uh, the Ashante, uh, what is Shante, the uh, whatever tribe, they were their tribe. That was their form of nationalism. So we're not going to say that they didn't practice um you know, they didn't have wars and stuff because they were considered themselves. Africa is comprised of countries. 
Africa is a continent in itself, so it has countries. So, of course, those countries are going to fight for their independence and their right to exist and their people to exist. That's only natural. That's what, what, what they do. So they sold it out. But I'm not denying that we have people who have sold us out. I'm not even denying now that we have people who have bought into the system. But we have to understand when we talk about white supremacy, we're, we're talking about, in my opinion, a system, you know, a system of white supremacy. A system says that English is the international language. You do know English is the international business language. That says English from England is the international business language, that you must be clean-shaven, that if you wear locks or you're not allowed to wear African dress, you must dress a certain way to be successful in business. This is the supremacy that we speak of. Not all, not all people with white skin. We understand that you have impoverished white people. I think that any revolutionary should understand that. But we're talking about when you have one system that reigns supreme over another system and suppresses your system. You know what I'm saying? That's the problem that we're talking about. We're talking about um, people who sit up in a place of judgment, and their judgment is based on what they say is right and exact. That's that's the problem. Let me go to the phone lines. Let's open up our phone lines, 678. Let me get my glass. I can't see. Six seven eight one three seven three. Greetings. How are you? Greetings. I'm well. Good. Good. This is Khadija in Georgia, and I have to disagree with what uh, the sister just said to a to a point. We can't. And I'm second generation activist. I've been doing this a long time. Been listening a long time. I have seen a lot of good things work, and I've seen a lot of good things not work. Uh, we have to get out of the idea of throwaway people. There is no throwaway people. The reason why we even have these conversations are to wake up and enlighten people that don't know any better. There's a lot of ignorance in our community, and these ignorant people sometimes do ignorant things like cause chaos, um, they can be very disruptive and everything else like that. But there aren't throwaway people. We're not a throwaway race. So what we have to do with these people is educate them. We have to teach them and show them better ways to handle things. If you have something that's been in the dark and treated harshly, why would you expect it to come out and be happy and go lucky? It's not. It's going to treat everything like an enemy. If we don't teach them to value life, they're not going to value life. They're just going to kill up some stuff. We can't be surprised. What we have to do is go, and we have to understand this treatment was there for a long time, still very much in place. So we, uh, what we have to do is re-educate people as to proper ways to be and proper ways to live a life and proper ways to take care of family, community, and things like that. The, the throwaway idea, we got to stop. Like, shoot them now, let God sort them out. We got to stop that. That's not what, We won't have any people. We are such uh, a challenged people. I don't want to say damaged, but we have some real challenges, each and every one of us. So depending on what lens people are looking through, when they're looking through each of us, we can all be on the chopping block. So we have to get more, in my opinion, we have to be more understanding and not accommodating because in the circles I roll with, I don't have accommodation. I have high standards but I educate you as to those standards. 
and I let you know where you're wrong and where you're right. And then I have I empower you by giving you those expectations and waiting for you to live by them. That's that's all we can do because there's too many of us not doing what us needs to do. There are no them. You know, that's the whole part of this pan-African idea. All of us is us. There aren't any thems when it comes to melanated people. So we have to move more like an us, even understanding some of us are strong in other areas and weak in others. So we use the strengths, we build the weaknesses, and we get a power machine going. But there ain't no, you know, there'd be only one or two of us <laughs> if we're just going by, you know, this ideals of right and wrong. Nah, it's not a right or wrong. It's a productive and non-productive. And non-productive behavior has to be checked and then educated and then empowered to do the right thing. So, you know, I really, really would like to see more conversation about how we can help these people who are ignorant and don't know no better and sleeping and mistreating their wives and not taking care of their kids and all this stuff. I'd like to see more edu- more talk about how we can help these people because helping them help the community Kicking them out only further hurts ourselves because they ain't going nowhere. They're not shipping people back to Africa. We got to deal with them right here. So we got to become solution-oriented, and the solution is not to kill them all. The solution is we got to really work with people where they at and get them to where they need to be. Programs, policies, procedures, enlightenment, whatever. But everybody working how they work on the positive, you know? So I just wanted to mention that. We don't have no extra people in our race. We got to work with what we got. Right on. I, I appreciate that. And I and I agree with that. That's always been my philosophy. I don't, you know, I don't necessarily, um, because I think that that's, we start like, you know, the sister mentioned how they do. They kill one another. And then we, we're in danger of the Salem witch hunts again or uh, re, reenacting Hitler with uh, um, um, the Holocaust all over again. When does it stop? You know, when we start disagreeing with ideology, well, we got to kill these people that don't agree with us, then the Muslims will want to kill the Christians, the Christians will want to kill the Muslims, everybody's killing the homosexuals. It doesn't stop. You know what I'm saying? The Crips already killed the blood, the folks killed the Lord. The killed. I mean, it doesn't stop. At some point in time, we have to be able to sit down and say, okay, yeah, we disagree on these issues, but what are the things that we come together on? And 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 to not discount what sister said, yeah, there has to be a way to handle people who are, you know, if we're in war like we are, and you openly and blatantly become an enemy, though, so I'm a, I am gonna handle you like an enemy. Let's um go to um the phone lines. Let's click Chairman Carhine. Chairman Carr, your mic is open. Uh, yes. Are you there? Yes. Power Conrad, you hear me? Yeah, we hear you now. Black power. Okay, uh, one, if the conversation is good and the conversation has been laid down, and it's one of the things that I'm hearing and is bothering me, man, because we keep talking about the white man and we're not talking about the right man, and that's the black man and the black woman. Uh, our movement have not been destroyed. Because the Caucasian has been destroyed uh, because of uh, infiltration of uh, that Negro. Let me tell you something. When the uh, Roach terminator come in the house, 
even the roaches are better organized than we. They say if the planet would be destroyed, the roach and the rat would still be around because they're better organized than you and I. And it's when the exterminator come in and he spray the house and the roach get contaminated and he runs back in the hole. And then when you look, all the roaches is on the floor dead because those who are in the hole said, no, you ain't coming and contaminated us. So they put the contaminated roaches out. And you still got roaches. And they wonder, man, man, why I still got roaches? Man, I sprayed out because they organized. And I'm saying in our community, it was a nigga that shot Malcolm. It was a nigga that poisoned uh, Chairman Fred Hampton. It was niggas that came in and filtrated the Black Panther Party. So I'm talking about black skin don't mean nothing if you ain't got the black man break down. Right now. Traded. And we keep it real. Free Hampton organized what we call the Rain Coalition. The the last thing came with a flag. He organized blood. He organized the gangster disciples. He organized the uh, uh, young lords. He organized all of that. We had a chant. And our chant was black power to black people and the Puerto Rican power to the Puerto Rican people and the third world power to the third world people and power to the people. That became infiltrated. We marched on the United Nations. And I'm saying this, uh, that we had Panthers in Algeria. There was a black Panther party that was in Israel. There was a black Panther party that was in Australia. And people need to do the research. I'm not rapping for no feelings. For no Malcolm or no Black Panther Party movement, the Black Panther Party was a threat to the United States. Martha Messiah Garvey and I had to tell the brothers, being a member of the Universal Negro Improvement Association, but they forgot about the Negro Improvement Association, uh, Universal uh, Negro Improvement Association, the African Community League. What is an approved Negro? Africa that gonna leave? Then you see the science in Garvey. See, we take slogans, and we we more than revolutionary. We now we got to be social scientists, cause we got mad scientists out here that is dealing with the videos, dealing with Facebook. They think we got scientists out here that is articulating our mentality. It ain't enough to say uh, black power. It ain't enough to say the red, black, and green. Do you know what the red, black, and green mean? Do you actually know what it means? Do we actually know what the panther means? So we are social scientists. We are in a war now more than physical. We in a war for our soul. They are here to, uh, they are here to snatch our soul because the black body, I don't care if you got an afro, dreadlocks, high yellow, light skin, red or brown. If you're African, they are here to take your soul. So what we got to deal with, we put too much emphasis on the white man and not put enough on the right man. The emphasis got to be on the right man and we the right man and we putting too much emphasis on the white man to give him too much credit. And I'm saying that what you saying and what the sister was saying is true. And you broke it down. Africa is a continent. We had our tribal differences, but guess what it was? It wasn't tribal differences. It was culture differences. And we have culture warfare, and we having it right now. But then we bring it into tribe because the Caucasian he 
use that terminology of tribe like it did with the indigenous people. No, we have to understand each other's culture. And because Africa is a continent, this is why Nkrumah, Patisha Lumumba, uh, uh, Honorable Hedda Selassie, Circle Torre, uh, I can go down there, and you said it, that he studied Marcus Garvey. And I end this conversation by saying this. What do they call China? When you talk about the Panther, our book was not the Quran. Our book was not the Bible. Our book was not the Torah. We had the Red Book. We had the Red Book. Because what did China call Republic? It ain't called Mao Zedong Republic. And this is why America still scared of the Chinese today. Why? Because when they established their liberation, it's called it the People's Republic. What was Mao Army called? The People's Red Army. It was always the people, and that's why we studied the Red Book. So, brothers and sisters, we got to understand, I'm coming from a panther background, and knowing my soldiers still in prison, dead in their grave, and we still talking about the people. No, we had the Red Book because Mao set the program called the Public of China and the People's Red Army, and everything was the people. And you and I talked about that. They say Chairman Mao. They don't talk about no lieutenant, no uh, 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 minister of justice, uh, no defense. Those Negroes that uh, got egos and they're weak because they've never been nowhere, and they want titles to make them something. But in the Red Book, it don't even mention them, but we know they got a government. And that government is still standing now. Why? Because when it came to people's movement, that's why we had the Red Book. It became the people's movement. The people was the government. And what happened with the effects of slavery is that because many of us as African, and we will always be African, from that land, that's the motherland. But when we came to America, we was uh, 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 stripped, broke down. We were told that we were nothing. Became a politician. Oh, I'm something. Now I'm a chairman, and now I'm a, a defense minister, and now I'm a councilman. On this, because they had took all that away from us, and so now we get the position, and forget the position, the position, the position. Not only the people, but the position that clearly have given us, and we don't know how to sit in those seats. To be a panther is to sit in a hot seat. And don't think that you can sit being a panther and sit in a seat and you ain't going to burn your ass because they're coming at you. They're coming at you left and right, opposition, from your home, from your school, from your job, from on the streets. This government do not want a people's movement. They don't want no China here in America. They don't want no Korea here in America. And they understand that that once you unite on your DNA as a people, then we move it forward. And I'll end this, brothers and sisters and comrades, I'm sorry if I raised my voice, but I have to share this. America is afraid of that the European are the immigrants. You and I have been here way before that Caucasian came here. That's why when he went to Mexico, he saw pyramids. That's why we came to Arizona and America, he seen pyramids. 
He's seen our sign that we've been traveling the ocean and trading our goods among the world for years. And when he came and seen that establishment, he said, no, I got to stop that. Right in Washington, D.C., now they got all our symbols representing you and I. He, he, he know more about you and I than many of us know about ourselves. Why? Because one thing the enemy do, because it's a war. See, we don't know it's a war, and that's why we lose it. He know it's a war. See, we're walking around here and think we're in peacetime. It's a war for our soul and our spirit. That European study us 24-7. You go in his house, he got a library, he got more books on us than we have in ours. Because he studied us, because he knows that he had war. Why? Because he is stink. Why? Not as a stink as a flesh and blood being, but he is stink as what Yang was saying, his white supremacist got to go. And so he got to build that. And that's what Donald Trump said, the good old days. The good old days mean that they had control of our religion, they had control of our culture, they control our economics, they control our school, they control our business, they control our life. That was the good old days. And that's what he's talking about. And that Panthers, we are people's movement. And that's what they're afraid of. If I'm over in a corner, oh, they say, man, that's cool, man. We're going to have them stay over in that corner, and they'll make sure they're going to send a Negro in there and make sure that we got the vision. Everybody that walk around and say, Assalamu alaikum, don't mean peace. Everybody walk around and say, Hotel don't mean that it's one God. Everybody walk around and say, Black power don't mean black power. It's a war going on, and we have to be real about it. And you know how you uh, distinguish that? You distinguish that by you seeing who out there working with the people and talk about building units and bringing the people together. When you find those out there in opposition, dividing the people, and not doing the work, not following the three Ds, not following the platform program, check that Negro Black Power. Black Power. And I, I, I agree with, with what Chairman Carr said, but I'm going to, you know, put our twist at the people's part because we are a people's movement. But I think one of my things and my whole purpose is to defy exactly what people that we're speaking about. I'm not, I'm going to tell it, I'm not a multicultural. I am not a multiculturalist. I think that black people have to be empowered. I think that black people must practice self-determination and self-sufficiency. Like Chairman Carr said, you know, they don't want another China over here. Who's in China? Chinese people. They don't want another Vietnam over here. Vietnam won their independence. Full of Vietnamese people. Cuba fought a revolution. Who's in Cuba? Cuban people. So I, I think that it's not advantageous for African people to go fight every revolution and be so revolutionary without, without having that black nationalist base. When are black people, what is wrong with African people of African descent saying, hey, we want to practice our own self-sufficiency. We want to practice self-determination. You know, I don't think it's about hating the white man. I don't think it's about blaming the white man. We understand that niggas participate in our own demise and own destruction, but it's like who gives the incentive? It's We look at uh, Freeway Ricky Ross in L.A. Freeway Ricky Ross who they say started one of the crack epidemics, started the crack epidemic, did time. But the CIA, bro, who did shit? Did the CIA do time? Is anyone talking to the CIA for bringing the crack in? We always want to address the symptoms. 
black people are exhibiting a symptom from imperialism, capitalism, slavery, oppression, repression. Shit, it's it's hard being black when you get pulled over by the police being, being terrorized because you're black. Are we addressing the illness or just the symptoms that black people exhibit? Yeah, they killed Malcolm. Niggas killed. They've been killing. Black people been killing black people. They still, we still killing one and each other. But where have, like Malcolm said, who taught us to hate our damn self? Who taught us that a, a nigga's life is worthless? Who taught us, who gave us to make where we have to start screaming, black lives matter, because other people are murdering us down in the street. And I don't care what skin complexion that is, when you put on that imperialist uniform and represent a system that is founded on the exploitation and destruction and genocide, kidnap, murder, rape, barbarity and savagery of other people, then you become that enemy. That's what I'm talking about. And I'm not going to be one of those ones that don't advocate African people pulling themselves together and sticking together, doing having our own economics, building our own schools, and doing for self because somebody worried about I'm talking about a damn white man and worried about that cracker. But I'm not going to sit here at the same time. Yeah, black people killed those people for shit. They had white people kill Mega Evans. White people killed Dr. King. Yeah, they killed their own Kennedy. So they've been murdering and maiming. We will take out the worst that our colonizers have put on us and start to exhibit the worst behavior. It's time for us to pull together. We know niggas are niggas. Why are we surprised when a snake bites us? But do we address the illness that causes our people of African descent to act other than African? Do we create the institutions to start to address these mental illnesses? That's, the, that's to me, the people's right counterpart. We do represent in all oppressed peoples, but specifically and first are the people that I come from. And I'm unapologetic about that because every revolution, revolutionary in the world, you didn't see the Algerians didn't come over here and fight for our freedom before they freed themselves in Algeria. Ain't no Chinese come over here and free us before he freed China. I didn't see the Vietnamese coming over here kicking ass for us before he freed himself in Vietnam. Everybody freed their homeland except for the Africans. We don't give a damn about the mother continent. We don't give a damn about other people. We'll fight for homosexual rights. Palestinian rights, ain't nobody kicking ass for us, but we're kicking ass for everybody else. And then when we say, up you mighty nation, you can accomplish what you will, let's kick ass for ourselves, we get called racist. We get called crazy, fanatics. And I don't see nothing fanatical about loving your own. Let's go to the, the phone. I'm your, your national chairman, People's Black Panther Party, Yang and Chroma. This is Independent Black Talk Radio. Let's go to the phone line. It looks like Dr. Justice. Dr. Justice, your mic is open. Can't hear you, Dr. Justice. Can't hear you. Hello, Justice. Black power, sir. Black, Black power. power. Black uh, power. Uh, I've been listening to the conversation, and, you know, so far, you know, let me just first say that I am a social scientist. And being a social scientist is the study of the environment on the people. And what has happened is that, let me just first give an illustration. In Africa, 
in the motherland, women walked with their breasts out, and they walked around half naked, but there was nobody jumping out of trees on them. Let's fast forward to today. How many men we could say, how many women could walk down the street with their breasts out and their body out and nobody going to jump out no trees on it? And I'm talking about our people here in America, Africans, descendants of stolen people from Africa. They would do those things primarily because of the environment, what the environment has done to them, what the white man has done to them. I really don't have any affinity to any individual who do, does not decide that they're going to recognize that this Caucasian has not wreaked havoc over the mindset of black people or Africans here in America. Um, we, I, I listen and I still don't hear, they haven't heard anybody say we have to build this thing from the bottom up. And as far as other individuals, um, I heard the sister say, you know, even the unproductive, we have productive individuals and unproductive individuals. Yes, we do. But time is of the essence. We're dealing with press time purity. I don't think we have time to look back at individuals who decide that they want to profit from the movement. I don't think we have time to look back for individuals who want to talk about cultural things or who want to defend the fact that white folks um, stop blaming white people. We cannot stop blaming them because they're doing the same raping and pillaging they've been doing from the very beginning, and they figure out different ways to do that over and over again. And psychologically, the minds have popped. The ones who are awake are the ones who are saying we need to be able to build. Who cares about the ones that are unproductive? We're not even trying to deal with them. But I can tell you this about the unproductive ones. How many times have our listening family built something, and then the ones that was unproductive came over and tried to take it from you? That's the danger with the unproductive individuals. They need to be dealt with. And then when we start to talk about ourselves as Africans, coming from the motherland, what we also need to recognize is that we can build. There are more of us who are willing to build and to make this thing what it needs to be. And a lot of us didn't get any positions from just um, from just being, oh, let me just give you a position. No. There are a lot of us who are very serious about this thing and a lot of us who work on this thing day and night and have the credentials to prove it. So let me just reiterate the fact that um, I am a black nationalist, and what I recognize is that if there are individuals that want to get in there and do the work, those are the individuals I'm dealing with. Anybody that goes towards um, what the United States is going towards now is something called pluralism. So beware of the pluralism in your children's schools because that's what's getting ready to happen. We want to say, oh, it's okay. No, it's not okay. Multiculturalism is not okay. Because we are in such danger that we need to start building henceforth black power. I love y'all. This is a very stimulating conversation because only through this are we able to see the mindset of our own people and the damage that's been done. Black power. Black power. Black power. And there's some good points. It's about it's about controlling our deficit the end of the day. It's not about hatred of any other ethnicity. It's not about um, blaming anyone for our plight. It, it goes back to like what Nundi said earlier. It's about um, actual factual. And we can't deny the facts. 
And we have to, but any fact, I mean, we can have a lot of facts, but if they're not pertinent, if they don't apply to the particular problem, then it's like if I'm doing a mathematic problem, one plus one, and I got all these fives and six and this and that, I need the I need those things that are going to give me the equation that's going to give me the answer. So history is important for us to know. But if that history isn't at a particular time relevant to our struggle, history is always always relevant, not relevant to our struggle at a particular time, then I question the need to impart certain things on our people. Like you were saying, like I think Chairman Carr was saying, that we must be social scientists. And something that Chief Ward said one time a while back, that it's about addressing your people and knowing your audience. You see, black people already, we've already been steeped in um, the, the, the divisive understanding. We've already been given things that keep us divided. And like it's not just from the white member, from the out of, from every people that have come and exploited on our lack of identity, our unaccountable spending, our lack of love and respect for one another. They've come and exploited that and created larger gaps and larger divisions within the African community. We have to, my whole thing at the People's Party, and I instruct our, our, our minister culture to do this, is to start teaching a revolutionary culture, a culture of solidarity, right a culture of you. Right Right. Right. Your, your mic is open too, Chairman Carr. I'm just letting you know. Um, oh, yeah, you know, man. That, that cult, uh, huh? Let me just say this, man. Uh, uh, the brothers that uh, went to Vietnam, you know, because I was a rejector uh, from going to Vietnam, man. So, uh, so you know, I told them that I know where the fight was. But uh, the comrades that went to Vietnam came back. Said they were going to the village. And the Vietnamese would say, same, 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 same. And the brother finally realized what they saying. And they were saying, you got the same enemy that I got. Yeah. 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 Until we understand Yeah, they were saying, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Now, go ahead. And, we, and that's what we have to understand. No, I was just saying, that's what we have to understand. And that's what. To me, black nationalism does. It puts everything into perspective. Black nationalism will begin, when you read everything from a black nationalist perspective, when you begin to judge by black nationalist standards, which is black liberation, black empowerment, Mm -hmm. when you begin to understand clearly who the enemy is and who your allies are. See, when we don't have... There you go. Because you're working for the empowerment and advancement of your people. So your enemy becomes anybody, anyone, anything that hinders that that process and you begin to understand that you start to see allies and people who are fighting for their independence. And that's how you come there you go. You fighting your for you fighting for your independence. Yeah, who you fighting? I'm fighting these imperialists. Damn, me too. Let us hook There up you together. go. And come on teach, man. Fight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we can begin to fight this enemy together. You know, so that's the importance to me of, of black nationalism, not about hating anyone, but just about unifying us to work as a collective so that we can be more powerful. What's the old adage? They say, you know, you have people that hold their hands up and got five fingers and say, what is more, you know, like the brother told me, he said, what's more effective to hit someone with open hand or a ball fist? 
So when we mm-hmm. come together to begin to form this ball, you know, this 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 balled up fist, then we start to see. Um, that's right. That's when we start to see more effects. That's when we become more mm-hmm. effects. Let me and just share this. What, talk to me. That's why people don't understand that the peoples of color on the planet. See, we don't understand whenever imperialism, and we don't teach that. We teach racism, we teach prison. Every time a country or peoples of color cut that leg off that that octopus, it helps us. And so what is happening, this government is fighting all around the world for the resources of people of color. Ain't nothing in you but some rocks and some caves. He got to get the resources from people of color. That's where the resources are. And every time they fight him, it's happening us. That's why Dr. King did what he did. Dr. King went to uh, India, man, to give respect to Mahatma Gandhi. Why Malcolm went and traveled to all the African countries. This is why Robert Williams went and traveled to the African country. Because when you strike at the devil, I don't care what country it is, when you strike, uh, uh, strike at that devil, that imperialistic European, you helping us. And this is why he wants us to be part of his military force. But at the day, which is good, Trump don't want nobody in the military force like Hitler. You ain't, you ain't had no SS that was a Jew. Because now they're fighting once again for white domination, and he's going to unite with his Russian brothers and all that because they scarcity. That's what war is about, scarcity. Scarcity in the United States, that way talking about jobs, scarcity in Russia. But where are all the uh, riches at? Because there are workers who have not been trained. The minerals, the oil, the gold, the diamond. The fresh water, everything is in the countries where people are color at. So the job, once again, is being vampires and suck out the country, man. And so we sitting here, but whenever they fight them, that's my victory. And I tell the sister this. Why would they call a terrorist movement ISIS? ISIS is a black woman. Black power. Black power, that's right on. And that's what, and, and, and like, you know, Chairman God says, that's what, and I agree wholeheartedly, I, that's what our fight has to evolve to. Our fight has to evolve to a fight. I mean, we have to understand the concepts of, of, of imperialism, which is global international capitalism, the exploitation of all people. But if we can't understand the exploitation in our own community, if we can't come together right. and unify in our own community, how sincere can we be to a global struggle? That's 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 the question. How sincere can we be to a global struggle? How can the revolutionary is a, a um, what do they call it? Of uh, the uh, echo for the environment is an environment. The revolutionary loves the environment. The revolutionary cries out against the exploitation of the earth. The over mining and the over and just the uh, sucking up the natural materials and raw resources of the earth to where they're destroying the earth and turn around on neighborhoods, throw trash on the ground. 
vandalized, destroyed the places that we live in but call ourselves revolutionaries. Because it starts at home. You can tell when how you can tell the revolutionaries by their own communities. There's no way that we can have say and this is why we say the African people, we're trying to revolutionize African people, and you can tell when you're revolutionizing the people are taking a hold when the community starts to change. I've seen it in it, and, and, you know, when I walk the streets with my father, when people whom a lot of people would be scared to speak to speak cordially and genuinely, take a mindful of the strangers on the block, Look out for the elders and the children on the block. You see the whole environment begin to change. The block begins to become clean. They take pride in where they, that neighborhood is becoming revolutionized. And once they do it locally and nationally, they begin to understand it on a global scale. But if it's not happening in your locale, if we as a people's party are not showing our people directly, the people that we live with every day, the village that we live in and dwell in every day, then how can we get out here and practice revolution internationally? That's rhetoric. That's rhetoric. Elijah Muhammad used to say, and I know we don't want questions, he said, how can you profess the love of God that you've never seen but despise your brother you see every day? I asked the same question on a revolutionary front. How can we profess to practice Pan-Africanism, love and solidarity with people of African descent globally and despise African people right here in our own nation? Like power. That's, it's, it's the damnedest thing. It's baffling. So we have to begin to work on ourselves and find in ourselves that forgiveness and that love to address the brothers and sisters that are misguided. Now, don't get me wrong. Please don't misunderstand it. I'm not foolish by any sense of the measure. I understand that all my kinfolk are not my kinfolk. You can't fool me with that. But this is the importance of pushing, like Chairman Khan said, when you see you can tell by the work, pushing a revolutionary, a black nationalist revolutionary ideology. See, the crux is going to be black nationalists because you can have black people holler revolution all day. And you wouldn't be able to tell if they're really with you because they're just screaming revolution and they say, well, I'm revolution on an international scale. You don't mm-hmm. see the work I'm doing. And despise mm-hmm. the very brother and sister next to them. Mm-hmm. But the black nationalism is the crux. The black nationalism is the basis that we judge by. We're saying that it's impossible for me anyway for you to love all of these people internationally and despise your brother here, not to work to change the living conditions, not to fight the exploiters and the oppressors right here. It's a must, and from the very people that you belong to. That's where it's all going to begin from. So these are the people, and once these people become empowered, once these people become free and start fighting, like we said before, to reiterate what I said earlier, once these people become free and understand and get that taste of freedom, they begin to despise oppression, and not just despise oppression for themselves, but to despise the very act of oppression against any people, even if they don't agree with that lifestyle. Even if they don't agree with that lifestyle, the free Christian, the black nationalist Christian, with all the Christian, Christianism, is that that's a word. 
with all their Christian vigor and glory, once they become a revolutionary black Christian nationalist, they begin to despise oppression for the black revolutionary Muslims because they hate oppression. And we move past the things that divide us because the revolutionary is united. That's what's going to unite us worldwide with revolutionary. But the black nationalists is what keeps us focused. It's what motivates and inspires us to do better for ourselves. This is how we know what issues to address. Let's go back to our phone line. Over now. Sister Nanny, your mic is open. Wow. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, I um I wanted to address a couple of things. One, I don't advocate going out killing anybody when it comes to revolution. However, I don't believe that there's any rules in war and there's no revolution without bloodshed. Secondary, history is very important because we got scholars right now that are leading our people astray. If we're still talking about Africa and all of that, we'd still confuse. I understand now what they mean by us revising our brains because Africanus is a cracker. We're still giving a cracker credit for colonizing our people, you know, under the American Colonization Society that was written into our um, transcript of the article of the Declaration of Independence in June, on June 28, 1776. And let me clear that up because we got a lot of people thinking that we declared something in 1776. We didn't. They adapted that, but... Um, it wasn't finalized, I think, until 1777 and under the colonization of Negroes. So we don't want to talk about Negroes and we don't want to talk about what happened, but see, if we go back in history, we had tribes then. How could we not be multicultural when we had Kenmites, we had Somalians, we had the Mandinkas, we had the Zulus? Damn, if we were going to not be multicultural then, we were game banging in Africa. Is that what we're talking about here, right? So we got to pay attention to that. All of the things that we are doing right now is still issues, and this is one reason why militant organizations separate themselves from cultural nationalists, because a lot of these things are leading us to hatred, it's leading to separation, and it's very impossible, and it's also contradictive as a true revolutionary to speak about power and structure when we are still teaching our people all of the titles and the things that you also claim that we were colonized up under. I am not an African. I am a lost tribe. I'm one of the lost tribes of the land because we identify with the land until we can truly figure that out. We are still fighting a never-ending war. So culturally what? Black what? We're not boring. We're not dull. We're not full of sin until we lose all the mindful things that they use, which is technology, terminology, religion, and all the other things to manipulate us into believing in their culturalistic ways of teaching us, then we will never have any change. Also, I wanted to speak on something else. The way that they have taught us, and this is why I also kind of separate myself from those that have these standards. Because what standards are we setting our people at when we don't have a pot to piss in or one to throw it out of until we seek change and bring some type of program and stability to the people? What standards are we setting? We can't set any standards. So that's one thing I have an issue with. Last but not least, 
I really wanted to touch bases on a lot of things. We all talk about education. Well, let's start with education. The more science temple, people of all different tribal essences back then culturally, like Brother Kahar said, we had a culture war. And when we had a culture war, some Negro in each culture decided they wanted to sell out those that truly believed in the backgrounds of Yoruba and all of the other things that culturally identified us as a people, and we wanted to hold steadfast to those cultures. They wanted to be colonized, so they sold us off. We have to talk about history because if we don't, we're going to keep having scholars talking about places like Africa that don't exist. And Africa is not a continent. Because that's a cracker that colonized certain tribal areas, and he took over all different parts of land, and it lost our history. He whitewashed it. So that's an illusion. America is an illusion because we all know if we want to go back in history, we can say that America was Mexico, and we as our people, different tribes, let's go to all the tribes that was trading with the Mexicanos, and we did not have an issue. There was no rules and regulations, and nobody was referenced as a slave, but the people of profit, the people of prosperity, the all-time bringers is what we were referenced as. If we start teaching those things, then I think our power structure in the mind will override any set of oppressive situations. Power to all the people. Thank you. Power to all the people. You know, and, and I understand that. But my thing is, like I always go back to, when that pig shooting you down, he don't say Africa with Africanists. He don't say more. He don't say, all of that's cool. I don't have a problem with that. I'm not a cultural nationalist, so I don't get into the arguments of culture. I don't get into the semantics. What black is, the Moors say that we ain't black, we Moors, where's black land? I don't get into the semantics of Africa, Mandine, because I'm not going to get into all that. The American experience, where I'm saying the People's Black Panther Party, is about building institutions that address the American experience. Slumlords, they don't give a damn about all that shit. You tell, tell your rent man that Africanus was a cracker. That's what you tell him. Tell the hungry brother under the bridge or the sister or the black family that is under the bridge because capitalists put profit over people because you got, you'd rather have a run-down house in a black neighborhood, a dilapidated, abandoned building in a black neighborhood, and since can't no one pay the banknote, have a whole family homeless that Africanus was a cracker. That hungry brother, that homeless brother that's watching his child starve, that's in the elements, that's subject to any type of uh, brutality, from any type of street thing with that chip, they could give a damn less about that. That's what I'm addressing. Those are good classes to have. I'm not saying don't have those classes. I'm just saying where me as the chairman of the People's Black Panther Party, the issues that affect us directly, we can get into the debate. We can intellectualize this thing all day. We can throw out the dates and the facts. We can get the scholars. We can do Dr. Ben Clark. Doctor, uh, 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 you name it, Omar, uh, uh, what's his name, Johnson. We can get the Sarah said we can get them all. They can debate. All of that's cool. But at the end of the day, would that have saved Mike Brown? Would that have saved Eric Garner? Is that going to stop the economic exploitation of foreigners in our community? What is going to be the unifying factor of that? We know what divides us. I ain't even got to get into the division of being black. The fact that I hear through some Islamic tenements and principles is enough to divide me with a lot of black people. I don't need nothing else to throw in there. We have enough things that divide us. 
What is the unifying factor? What is going to bring us as African people or black people or Moorish people or lost tribes yet? What is going to bring the lost tribe together to get this other tribe of people from murdering and maiming us and exploiting us and oppressing us? That's where the big question comes in and arises for me. We're tired of being exploited. We're tired of being oppressed. You're right. That's That's the biggest thing. There are enough things to divide us. We can go through our history and find where African people can divide themselves. Now the People's Party is about the unification and advancement and empowering of people of a particular, if whether black or not, who share the same American experience. And that's what you and I share. That's what you and I share. Sisters, brothers, everybody listening on the line, the same experience for being someone of a different hue. I don't care what you're calling yourself. Semantics. Semantics. Uh, just a bunch of this, this information age has, I feel like, has been one of the best and worst things to affect African people because now we have so much knowledge at our uh, uh, disposal that we find in more things, we have found more things to divide us on and more things to argue about and still haven't found that common thread of unity. This is why I love. The Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey, one of the largest mass movements in the history of the African here in America, that some kind of way that the ancestors are the most high, are the divine force, or the energy force, or whatever the people are calling it, motivated and inspired and possessed this man, this human being, to have the words and the charisma and the energy to galvanize the masses of African people for their own self-determination. He constantly reiterated that. Self-determination. And that's Let what me I share this. About. Yes, sir. Uh, one, that is when the federal government, Jacob Hoover, uh, at that time was a law student. Marcus Mosiah Garvey, uh, and his name, middle name, Messiah Garvey, his family wanted to name him Moses, but they sell it with Messiah Garvey. And that's where the counterintelligence program came out and said, we will start the rise of a black messiah. They were talking about they will never let Godly movement ever do that again. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, man. They said, start the rise, start the rise of a black messiah because you broke it down earlier, <clears throat> and a lot of brothers and sisters didn't know that. Uh, some brothers and sisters do when you broke down the Ghana flag and the black star, that represented the black star line, and that even Ho Chi Minh, when he was over here, he studied under Godfrey. Uh, half of these of, 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 of foreigners that came to America, Godfrey was so open, they came in and they studied Godfrey, <clears throat> excuse me, they studied Godfrey movement, and they went back and began to set up. But a lot of brothers and sisters don't understand that. Because they didn't understand Marcus Messiah Gavi. But Jago Hoover then started with the Black Panther Party. <clears throat> Jago Hoover started with dealing with the, the Marcus Gavi movement of the Universal Negro Improvement Association and the African Community League. And that's what's his job stop the rise of a Black Messiah. So every time they see us coming to unification, he already 
had that set up. So I just want people to know that uh, kind of intelligent program under Jerry Hoover in terms of starting to rise Black Messiah, they were talking about God and anything coming after him in terms of the Black nationalists. Black power. Black, black power, absolutely. And this is what we're facing in that memo, that directive, was so serious that they are, it was so effective that they've taken their job serious and they are trying every divisive tactic to stop that unification again, to stop that galvanizing right. and that electrifying the black masses into doing for themselves again through commercialism, uh, materialism, and consumerism. We're under the illusion that we have arrived. We're under the illusion that we have made it, that we're free. You're not free because you possess a few items. Why, they can give you the world, but if they retain the power and the ability to deprive you of those things, then you're not free. You're not free until you control the resources, until you control the distribution, until you control the not just the will, but the very tools and essentials that it takes to govern yourself. This is when true freedom comes in. So we mm-hmm. have to start to examine everything from that perspective. It is enough time, enough. It is about the peoples, all oppressed people in general. Let me, and people let of me African just, descent specific. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Chairman. Let me share this. And uh, being raised down in Florida, uh, a a fisherman would not go to a lake or a pond if there ain't no fish in there. So I'm saying that the Arabs, the Indians, the Chinese would not come to the community if there were no money here. We wastefully spend because we don't have a country or economic power. Ain't nowhere Arab going to be on the desert. He come to the black community. This is not a desert. We got money. And that's why when we say black power and black economics, ain't no way the Indians are selling wigs and fingernails and everything. Ain't no way uh, the Chinese and everybody setting up motels or hotels in the black community. They will not do that on the desert. We got money, but we don't have black power and understand the economic of what we have in our pocket. And that's what they're afraid of when we say black power, because black power means black economics. That's what Godwin was dealing with, Elijah Muhammad dealing with, Malcolm, and all these dealing with. Black power means controlling your community economically. We got money, man, because one you won't have not one Arab down here, one Indian, or one Chinese down here. So we got some money. We just wastefully spending it, black power. That's right, black power. It's about it's about the unification. It is about mm-hmm. the unification of people of African descent so that we can accomplish what we will. Let's go back. I see Nundy wants to come back on. Let's hit her one more game. Nundy, your mic is open. 
I won't be very long. I want to um, speak on two things. I remember somebody saying something about we don't worry about the counterproductive. We have to worry about the counterproductive. The counterproductive, the counterrevolutionary, the counterignorant, all the references that I learned from my scholars in this thing teaches us that those are the people that took down true scholars, like, you know, Brother Khaled. We talk about Mark and Garvey and all of that. So we've got to worry about the counterproductive because that's what's causing us as a whole to also be manipulated by seeing these black faces in white places. So, you know, we need to pay attention to all of that. That's one thing I wanted to speak on. Secondary, oof, I don't want to get back and forth about what I'm telling you about history, but it's kind of contradictive to sit here and say that the white man's supremacy, supremacy, the main thing we talk about is a system, a systematic way of leading those people astray in order to divide and separate us. And their system consists of one whitewashing history. Brother, um, Brother Ju Ali, he asked the question, if he could take everything that you know about your life, like five minutes from now, and just wipe, you know, take wipe away everything that's in your background that you know about your life, how could you be productive in order to plan a future? You will be disillusioned. You will be lost. You will be, you know, not content about what's next because you don't remember anything about who you are and where you come from. That's the same thing we're doing to the people as a people. Real leaders and scholars were one we would seek and we would dig all of the history of because we have to find the manipulations, not only what the white man has done, but what supremacy has done as a whole within itself. I think we need to also clearly understand how racism and prejudice are two separate things because a racist would just think superiority and that would lead to us claiming certain things of power, whether it's black, white, or whatever power, then there would just be black supremacy. But if we are prejudiced, then we are adding certain things because now we're just hating people because the color of their skin. And if we look back on certain things, I've seen a lot of people in different ethnic backgrounds that have been enslaved by their own people as well as multiculture. I've also seen them come together as a whole and fight a mighty war and win some battles. So with that being said, we got to understand if we are not multicultural, then we're going to whitewash our grandmothers, we're going to take our grandfathers, you're going to have an Indian, a Kemai, you're going to have so many people separated to the point where if we just going to holler black, black is not even a culture, it's a term. It's something that was given. So if we're going to call black power and we go and look for black structure, where can we find that as? So we have to understand that, as Brother Bear, he just wanted me to throw this in. We have to understand if then it took villages to raise our people and build nations, then we must define ourselves according to those villages right now and not up under one terminology what they have given us as a people. That's all we wanted to say. Power to all people. Power to all people. Right on. I agree with that, you know, and, and, and we have to, let's address the history thing. See, there's no problem. I don't have a problem with history. But look at the people who write their history. Like you said, the conqueror writes his history. But when the white man wrote his history, he wrote it from a white nationalist perspective to make sure that his people were heroes, to make sure he stand on top. He don't speak ill about his people. Shit. He, he, he even makes slavery look like it was a grand noble thing, a part of the United States Airways. You know, it was pretty bad. But it was he's not going to tell slavery from a perspective of the slave. Then it would make him look bad. The Chinese people, any people who write their history, write it 
from their nationalist perspective and the white man more so from a white supremacist perspective. What I'm saying is when we study history, are we studying it from a black nationalist perspective? Are we studying it from a perspective that will empower us or create more divisiveness? And I only find a lot of us as African people or Negroes or whatever the hell we call it ourselves study history to beat up on someone else's history or someone else's interpretation of history, not as a common goal. This European studies history and all his, even his traitors, he gives them a place of honor. Look at Benedict Arnold. Hell, even Benedict Arnold got to say, oh, you old Benedict Arnold. Even his traitors got a place of honor. We don't study history from a perspective of black nationalism that empowers us. I understand it's like you, we, we're so divided, you quote Noble Drew Ali, the Honorable Noble Drew Ali, whom some call a prophet. You will have some people come back and say, that's Moorish. His perspective is from a, so even his study of history and his implementation of history is from a Moorish perspective to empower the Moors, to add legitimacy to the Moors. And us as Africans in America who share the same common experience, we get caught in that shit. Instead of saying, look, we don't have time to be divided. I could quote some history from Elijah Muhammad. Elijah Muhammad said the white man come from Yakub. And some people say, oh, that's crazy. That's a crazy. But you got black Muslims, the nation of Islam, who say that's actual factual. That's what they're leading. So we can't study history from a divisive perspective. Who's to say what history is right? We have to develop our history, come from our history when we're studying our history and start to have all the facts, but definitely the facts that promote and propagate black empowerment, black advancement, not more divisiveness. We're quoting history from people who have points to prove, who people who have, because us as African people, that has been beat into us to be divided. So we're quoting history from people who hate Muslims, we're quoting history from people who ain't Christian. We're quoting history from people who say that we're not black. We're not, we don't know what the hell we are. And if we say we're the lost tribe, you're going to have some people say, ain't nothing lost about me. I'm a Hebrew Israelite. There we go. We're going to be arguing and fighting about that and not addressing the issue of homelessness, hunger, poor education, poor health care, murder, blatant and indiscriminate murder of people of black descent, melanin, Hebrew, African, I don't know. But these issues are real issues that affect us. And us, if we're going to survive this thing and begin to build institutions where we can enjoy the liberties of a good debate, because it's nice to have differences and be able to debate upon those things, but not when you're fighting for survival. See, I don't have time to debate with people when I'm fighting for my very existence and fighting to create a system that my children can survive in. I don't have time to sit there and teach my son Amaru to debate with no Negro about being cosmetic because he subscribes to some tenements of Islam and Arabism and this and that, and both of them walking down the street, and they two black men debating cosmetic and Islam, and the police roll up and lock both of them up. Roll up and kill both of them. I don't have time for him to be debating that, brother. At that particular time, it must be unity, and they must stand together against a common enemy. And once we build these institutions, then we can afford to sit back and have the, the pleasure and the luxury of debating these philosophies. 
But right now, our institutions, our history, like I instruct our minister of culture, the culture that you teach, I don't want you to teach one culture supreme to the Mandinkin over this culture. Teach that revolutionary culture is the supreme culture of the black man. Of a man you calling yourself the oppressed man. How about that? Teach that revolutionary culture is the uh, supreme culture. That anti-oppression is the supreme culture. That self-sufficiency and self-determination is the supreme culture. That doing for self and defending yourself is the supreme culture. That loving your woman, raising your children, trying to do right is the supreme culture. That's the culture. I don't care if your subculture or your religious philosophy is Islam, Christianity, comedic science. I don't care if you profess that your nationality is more than this and that. Still unite with us. When we say nation, when we say nationalism, one of the things of nationalism being defined on people who share a common experience. And if oppression is not a common experience that you're uh, or is not an experience or something that you're experiencing here, then tell me where you live at so I can move where you live, where you at. If you, if we as a people have it like that, where are you that I can move there where I won't see black uh, depravity, black impoverishment, black murders, black poor education, black dependency upon a system that don't give a damn about us? So this is the history that I want taught to my child, not a more of a history that's just more divisive. I raise, I teach Amaru some Islamic principles, and then turn around and ascend of the church with his grandmama, just so he can be aware. Do I think he's going to be a Christian? Do I think he's going to be a Muslim? I don't know, but I teach him things. But the main thing that I teach him is unification and solidarity, responsibility, and obligations to your race. That you have an obligation to your race, despite what philosophy you choose in life. That if you see a black woman being beat, and if she has a Muslim scarf on, you better not turn away. If she has a crucifix around her neck, That's right. hell, if she's if she's bald headed and has a Hindu dot on her head, if she's black, you better not turn away. That's right. This is what has to be taught. Where is that aspect of the history? See, we get so caught up in these things, in these divisions, that the Muslim would get so caught up in that Islam leaving the black nationalism that he would side with Arabs over the detriment and destruction of African people. The Christian would side with other people over the detriment and destruction of African people, and so on and so forth. We have to stop that because, believe me, you, when I went in that Arab community, there were some women covered, some women that weren't covered. And I said that everybody in here is not a Muslim, but everybody in here is Jordanian. I bet you that. Hey, Yanga. Everybody in that community was Jordanian. Some of them may have been Christian. And let me tell you, if I would have got out and I could have assalamed the lakeum, every Muslim in there, if I'd have struck one of them Jordanian women, every Jordanian in there would have kicked my ass. Hey, Yanga. I don't care. I could have been dressed better than Muhammad. Yes, Mr. Chairman Carl. I'm going to tell you something. That's why it's so important that we have that PEC, because before, and people don't understand religion, and we say religion we're like, before the Muslim went to Medina, where they went? Ethiopia. 
Come on now, talk to me. That's what I'm talking about. And the Ethiopian Christians, the Coptic Christians, did not accept Islam, but what they did, they protected the prophet. Did they not? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Come on. See, so right. when people get caught up in that religion thing, man, they don't be knowing the history, man, that before he went even there with his own Arab barbaric uh, culture, he had to go to Ethiopia, and they protected him. And when the when when the uh, when the bounty hunters came there, the king of Ethiopia stepped out and said, "No, his book sound like our book." Said, "No, y'all ain't gonna touch him. Get away from here." And then he took a That's black right. man and stood him on top of the carver. That's right. Yeah, man. So I'm saying that the the continent of Africa, and this is where we get lost at, it ain't such thing as the Middle East. If there's a Middle East, then that must be, when you come to America, there's a Middle West. Right. All that is Africa. All That's that right. continent is Africa. And to we let people, because we don't believe in borders. We had never believed in borders. The Creator never gave us borders, man. It is those conquerors, the imperialists, the capitalists, the conquerors, and the tribe of borders. There are never supposed to be no borders. And these borders are set up by, by government. Yeah, man. That's why, man, I go down the mountain, man. I travel all around this country, man. And people say, man, you in Florida. Yeah, you in Georgia. You was there. But working with you, when I was not allowed to come to uh, Atlanta to do certain things, when I got there, you say, oh, no, you're going to speak. Because we didn't believe in borders. And That's when right. we start believing in borders, uh, well, uh, I'm in Texas, and I got a chapter. I'm in Jersey, got a chapter. I'm in Cleveland, got a chapter. I'm here, I got a chapter. I got a chapter. When that cracker comes down your ass, he, he don't believe in no borders. <laughs> right. You don't get you. Here come get you an extra dice. Chairman, I got three minutes. Yeah, okay. That's uh, uh, that's all that I want to say, that the oppressor don't believe in borders, and we still believe in uh, territorial. That's why the people's Black Panther Party is so important that people got to understand the Panthers represent the unity of all of us. But when we start dealing with borders, we don't have to deal with Africa. You're already dealing with tribalism already in our formation, black power. In our black power, in our formation. So like the chairman was saying, and that's, and that's our whole thing in the People's Party in our conclusion, and I thank everyone for calling in, participating. Like I said, this is your radio program. Comments, Chris, we don't always have to agree, but we will always love one another, and that's what makes solid. That's what we come up with our strategy is, you know, sometimes we're going to disagree. I appreciate everyone calling in. I appreciate everyone's comment, input. They were very insightful, well thought out, very studied. Um, and just want to send shouts out to everyone. I'm your chairman, Chairman Yang uh, Krumah, People's Black Panther Party. This was Independent Black Talk Radio. We'll catch you next Monday. I'm also thinking about adding the show. I don't know. Don't hold me to it yet. But we'll definitely catch you next Monday. Um, and with that, I leave you as I greet you. All power to oppress people. African power to an African people, black power to a black people, and all power to the lost tribes of us out there. Black power.
yo, all I need is one mic, one beat, one stage, one nigga front, my face on the front page, only if I had one gun, one girl and one crib, one God to show me how to do things his son did, pure, like a cup of virgin blood, mixed with 151, one sip will make a nigga flip, writing names on my hollow tips, plotting shit, mad violence, who I'm gon' body, this hood politics is knowledgeable. Leave bodies chopped up in garbage Seeds watch us Grow up and try to follow us Police watch us Roll up and try knocking us One knee I duck Could it be my time is up With my luck I got up The cops shot again Bus stop glass burst A fiend drops his Heineken Ricocheting between the spots That I'm hiding in Blacking out I shoot back Fuck getting hit This is my hood I'm a rat To the death of it To everybody come on Little niggas is grown Hood rats Don't abortion your wound We need more warriors soon Sent from the star Sun in the and it's like a police chase The street sweepers and coppers Sick of kids with no conscience Leaving victims with doctors If you really think you're ready to die With nines out This is what nines is about Nigga, the time is now One mic All I need is one mic All I need All I need is one mic All I need, niggas All I need is one mic All I need is one blunt, one page, and one pen, one prayer. Tell God, forgive me for one sin. Matter of fact, maybe more than one. Look back at all the hatred against me. Fuck all of them. Jesus died at age 33. That's 33 shots from twin glocks and 16 apiece. That's 32, which means one of my guns was holding 17. 27 hit your crew. Six went into you. Everybody gotta die sometime. Hope your funeral never get shot up. Bullets tear through the innocent. Nothing is fair. Niggas roll up. Shooting from wheelchairs. My heart is Racing, tasting revenge in the air I let this shit slide for too many years Too many times now I'm strapped with a couple of Macs Too many nines If y'all niggas really with me Get busy, load up the semis Do more than just hold it Explode the clip until you empty There's nothing in our way They bust, we bust They rush, we bust Let's fly and feel it I feel it in my gut That we take these bitches to war Lie them down Cause we stronger now My nigga, the time is now I need this one mic One man, what I stand for, speak for itself. They don't understand or want to see me. 